Welcome to Divine Intimacy Radio, a co-production of EWTN Radio and SpiritualDirection.com, where we provide you with a spiritual haven of rest and explore the riches of the wisdom of the saints and the path to union with God. This is Dan and Stephanie Burke. You're listening to, watching, live stream of, depending on what you're doing, Divine Intimacy Radio, your radio haven of rest. Your hermitage of the heart. Your monastery of the mind, where we lift our hearts and minds to heaven to draw upon the wisdom of the saints to help us to navigate the tumult of this life and through the mystical wisdom and tradition that gives us what we need to deal with all of the challenges. I was reading a quote this morning from St. Teresa Benedict of the Cross. It just so moved me. And she said, the world is, the world is on fire. But it can't, you know, and it's coming for us to their monastery. She eventually was martyred, mm-hmm. but it can't touch the cross. The cross right. is exalted high above the mess. And uh, if we draw near to him in that, right. he's, you know, I'm paraphrasing, right. absolutely beautiful. Yeah, yeah. Can't it's, touch our souls. Can't touch our souls. Unless we cooperate with the darkness. Exactly. Right. So today we're talking about um, finding peace in the storm, quite a storm we're in. And we're going to talk about a, a pretty difficult area of uh, understanding God's sovereignty and how we follow him. And, and Alphonsus, uh, we, we did an intro show, if you missed it, this is show number two. By the way, you can get all the live stream stuff out at spiritualdirection.com, uh, Facebook, I mean, uh, a YouTube page. And uh, check that out. Make sure you like and subscribe to help us spread that around. But the... Um, this section he deals with people who do who uh who are doing good but that is not god's will which is fascinating Mm. it's kind of the problem it's the bane of those who are going from good to better who want to do well busy people busy people busy holy people that can get way off track yeah yeah, way off track but it's really an important thing because i i think to me i know this is obviously written at a very different time and different culture but it's very fitting the American culture. I mean, as a Protestant convert from Protestantism, uh, it, it, the model that we used, which was defective, is I have this entrepreneurial idea that has some good com- related to it in, my, in our faith. I'm going to go do this, and I'm going to ask God to bless what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. Like, it's just replete with that thinking. The biblical model, and, and I think the Catholic model, is the exact opposite. It's asking the question, the right way is to ask the question, where is God going? What is he already blessing? Mm. And and then how do I join him? And that could be kind of in a macro way. There could be, you know, revivals in the church. You know, there's movements to go deeper in different areas in prayer or whatever that God seems to be blessing. And so you can move that direction. Then in a micro, it's like your personal calling what he's doing with you how is he moving in your like of of the three things you're doing you know which one does he seem to be pouring graces out upon and out ahead of you rather than you out ahead of him i don't know what do you guys think of that well the first thing that comes to mind is really that the micro is the most important and we sure get out ahead of ourselves you know um i heard somebody really you know recently say you know, I, I was driven because I kept thinking I need to fulfill this mission. 
And that's not the drive. The drive is what is the Lord doing in me? What does holiness look like? What do I need to get rid of out of my life? Right? What is, wh- how is he working in and through my prayer to change me, to restore me? Like he loves me as I am, right? But he loves me too much to leave me there. And he wants to purify me so that he can work in and through me for some of these other greater causes. But I think we tend to get way out ahead of it. And it's the work of the enemy, right? It's the work to, uh, as we start to get more self-aware, then we go like, oh, I want to go start a school. I want to go start this apostolate. I want to go start all these things while all the way, all the time, we may have a kid way off the rails. Our marriage is falling apart. Maybe an habitual mortal sin. All of those things. And it's really a disordered way to look at things. So, you know, it's, it's a narcissistic spirituality. Yeah. It is. I am in control of my spirituality. I'm doing these things that are, are objectively good, but without any recollection as to what God is actually calling me to do. It's, mm-hmm. it's all in here, not in scripture. It's not asking outside of us. It's my will be done right. rather than thy will. And I think, right. in, and Alphonsus does point this out in the book, the, the, and he, he's a big devotee of Teresa of Avila. He says you can't get to heaven without mental prayer. You know, I th- I, usually when that a person's living like that, I, I find that they're not practicing mental prayer at all. So they're not sitting with the Lord. They're not listening. They're not learning to hear his voice. They're just doing things for mo- motivations that are, that are some ways purified by the co- good context. But let me just say what Alphonsus says here, because there's some specific examples that are good. He says that it follows in that the more the one unites his will with the divine will, the greater will be his love of God, right? So that's mm-hmm. true. More, but this is interesting. Mortification, meditation, receiving Holy Communion, acts of fraternal charity are all pleasing to God, but only when they're in accordance with his will. When they do not accord to his will, he not only finds no pleasure in them, he even rejects them and utterly punishes them. He rejects and punishes when, so how, this is quite challenging, right? So how would he reject and punish the reception of Holy Communion? And if it's not really, I mean, I'll just jump out and say it. It's, It's, for instance, when you are married and maybe you, uh, are your marriage isn't so great because you're not spending a lot of time and you're not giving a lot of energy. There's no intimacy. There is no intimacy with your marriage, whatever. So it's kind of broken, but you're constantly running off to the parish and doing and doing these things and to inebriate, to escape, to escape. And I'm not yeah. saying there, it, I'm not saying you don't need, you know, often we will tell people we're unequal yokes as an example to just try to help your spouse understand. I, I need to go to communion so I can be strong to love and serve you. But but often that's not really the motive. The motive is I got to get out of here instead of I got to deal with this. Yeah. The motive is this hurts too much. Right. And what I'm saying, doing, begging, pleading isn't working. So I just got to go sit with the Lord. I right. just got to go, you know, yeah. all the while the duties, responsibilities that we're called to are being you know, thrown to the wayside. And that's not to minimize the pain. Yeah. But there is a a particular, and I that's why I love marriage ministry so much. That's why I love the retreats that we offer, because we really need to be awakened to what does God ask of us? You know, it says the more 
it follows then that the more one unites his will with the divine will, the greater will be his love of God. It increases our love for him when we're in obedience. Yeah. When we're in obedience to the Lord, right? So, and where do we find out what that means? That means we're we're reading his scriptures, we're reading his commandments. Mm-hmm. Nobody talks about the commandments anymore, right. hardly at all. Or the moral 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 theology. Right. And, you know, and that's them. breathtaking. Yeah. If you just contemplate, what does this mean yeah. to honor my mother and father? What does it mean that only God is my God? I will love the Lord my God alone. Yeah. Right? Above all things, but not against the design that he's created for me. Mm-hmm. Right? Well, and I think because this is a really complicated topic and this whenever i've talked about this in the past a lot of it catches a lot of people because it's so hard to understand so would it be safe to say to help kind of break this down a little bit further what we're talking about is escape escapism versus devotion yeah right or sustenance yeah a a devotion a devotion that sustains you yeah but also just you know i mean you've you guys have talked about it before where you'll have a busy mom who wants to engage in mental prayer and she can't because she has six kids running around the house and your answer is usually you do you take care of your kids and there's merit in that because you're fulfilling what you've been called to do we usually tell them while they're nursing or just you know whatever you can do but is all you can do or dad giving them 15 minutes away right Right. so the so the understanding is within the context of whatever the person is struggling with you have to take this and put it into the context of where you're at primary state right because yeah. each one of us is called to something different so yeah. someone who's listening to this may be dealing with something that's really hard and not able to wrap their head around it with the examples we've given it's more of a what is the context that you're in yeah. what is your primary state what are you being called to right and then apply this yeah. that's where self-awareness is so important right. and really the the core understanding here it's been interesting that this came up in prayer within the last 24 hours i'm sure it's for this conversation but god won't call you to something that count that is counter to your vocation, right. your primary your primary state. So you know, I'm a daughter of the King, but next I'm a wife, and if there's anything in my life that hinders my ability to love and serve my husband, that takes time away from him, that neglects his needs, that neglects my calling as a wife, that includes intimacy, includes all of those things physical intimacy, then it's not of God. It's not of the Lord. And we need to understand that. And it's so hard because that's where we learn to die to ourselves. But you know what's beautiful? The divine secret in that is that when we live our vocation fully, the Lord sets us on fire with his love. Our love for him increases. He purifies us. He sanctifies us. And then you see many miracles everywhere. We have to live by his design. It's the best way. Yeah. It's the best Amen. way. So let's make this harder because Liguri does. Right. He doesn't make it easier. He goes on to say, so he, he gives an illustration of a man who has two servants and one works hard and diligently all day long, but according to his own devices, and the other works less, but he does what's requested of him. The latter, of course, is going to find favor with his master. The other will not. So why should we perform actions for God's glory if they're not going to be acceptable to him? God does not want sacrifice. This is the answer. God does not want sacrifices, the prophet Samuel told King Saul, but he, but he does want obedience to his will. Jesus repeated it similarly 
um, uh, another passage from the Old Testament, but the the passage that uh, Samuel spoke was, does the Lord desire holocaust and victims and not rather the voice of the Lord should be obeyed? Obedience is better than sacrifice and hearken um, than to the fat of rams because it's like a sin of witchcraft to rebel. This is crazy. Witchcraft and idolatry. Right. right. So and so, like the crime of idolatry to refuse to obey. Right. To obey. Exactly. So right. here. So this is the crazy part. If, if, and this is where I went into my own commentary. So who created the sacrificial system? God did. So he's saying. I, I don't want I don't you know, I, I want a properly ordered heart in obedience more than I want the outward comportment to the law now the law should always be obeyed that's, right. that's not what he's saying but what's crazy about this and we got to go to break is is how god is clearly saying your relationship with me your obedience to me and what i'm asking you to do is more important than your outward religious comportment in terms of the way you construct it and you define as pious good and holy which could be contrary to everything we've been talking about so we get back from the break, we got to dig into that and explain it a little more. And I think what we'll do it is in the context of Matthew 7, 22. So we'll be right back. The beautiful fact that no suffering is wasted, that all suffering has a purpose. And to wrestle with the idea, which is that everything that happens in our lives is either willed or permitted by God. Okay, God, why would you permit these things? I know that you're a good father and you're a loving father. So there's something there. So I, I have to bridge this gap between your permission of my suffering to your love for me as a father. And Uniformity with God's Will, the book by, by St. Alphonsus Liguori bridges that gap. And he explains as only he can, because he's such a hard hitter, the reality that these are all moments of growth of virtue, of, hey, your legs are weak. You're like a newborn deer. You can't stand on your own. We need to get you to stand on your own. You know, those sorts of things. Even even desolation, you know, the day-to-day kind of the ebbs and flows of the spiritual life. Those things are all permitted for a greater good, whatever that might be. Check out the brand new updated version of Uniformity with God's Will titled Finding Peace in the Storm with Commentary by Dan Burke. Welcome back to Divine Intimacy Radio. This is Dan, Stephanie, Jordan, Burke, all three, <laughs> triple threat today, talking about uniformity with God's will. The, my most recent book, which is called Finding Peace in the Storm, which is a reflection on university, uniformity, God's will, and it contains all of that text. So we're talking about just some really challenging stuff for devout Catholics, you know, yeah. devout Christians. We're talking about this issue of isn't the sacrificial system established by God? How can it be the assertion that he doesn't want sacrifices? And of course, it's hyperbolic, right? I mean, it's it's not it's not saying don't sacrifice because that's part of the law and you must have your sins forgiven. But just like going to confession or, you know, that right. sort of thing. But what he's saying is, is that obedience is more important. And people are going, but how do I get, like, how do I get to clearly seeing whether or not I am understanding God's will. I mean, and, and, and the, and I think the easy answer, like glaringly easy is don't judge yourself 
to be doing God's will because you have constructed a list of your own making, of your own religious practices, um, and then and then you check off the box, and then you determine I'm doing the right thing. Especially if those things make you feel good. Right. Talk about that. Well, I mean, I just gave a talk this weekend talking about Ephemacy. one of the things was regarding prayer and how, you know, there's a lot of people, especially men, because mental prayer is generally harder for men in my experience and the conversations that I've had. And they'll go into prayer and they, the response is, I've heard this so many times, I'm not getting anything out of it. Mm-hmm. It's like, okay. And, and, then, and then they stop. And when I said, well, that's a feminist in prayer. You're too attached to good, what you think feels good. Yeah. Well, mental prayer, as Alfonso says in one of his other books, is a great means of salvation. Yeah. You know, other saints have said, good luck getting into heaven without it. Right. right? So that, what does that mean? Okay, well, you're going to have to do something that doesn't feel good to you in order to, to do what God wills of you, right. which is to have a relationship with him. Yeah. So it seems that a lot of this, like an easy example is the example he gave, you're choosing one thing over another. So it's not, you know, it's not I'm doing the rosary and I'm folding laundry. It's I'm doing, the, I'm doing you know, seven decades of the rosary and I'm completely ignoring all my other things that I'm supposed to be doing. Yeah. Does that kind of, there's another, there's another one uh, just quickly because I've been sort of framing this almost in terms of more traditional Orthodox Catholics. You could frame it also in terms of the charismatic movement and Catholicism, which I know I'm not speaking negative at all, but each has their kind of imbalanced reflections on extremes and, and one, you know, being excessively focused on, I'm doing all these outward things and devotions, but my family or other things are fall or I'm in habitual sin right. and I'm not right. like, I'm not, I don't have a massive effort to get past it, you know, or in the charismatic realm where the, uh, they're blessed to be more open to experiences and kind of worship settings that feel good and all of that. But we've seen the exact same issue and when we're, we're counseling people and even in deliverance ministry where you have people in deliverance ministry, people doing all this praise and worship and all this evangelism and, and, and actually possessed yeah. and or deeply oppressed and deeply disordered, addicted to pornography. And we're going, yeah, you need to set aside all this ministry and you need to set aside all this outward work and you need to go after your porn, your mortal, your mistress that you take every day, even though you also take your wife to bed every day. And by, that's a common trick of the enemy. By the right. Way, as if you're recovering from something or you're struggling with something. Right. And the enemy says, you should you should start a ministry to help people right. when you haven't recovered. It's, right. it's super common. Right. Yeah. You yeah. had something on your mind. So what comes to mind is what what does this... Um, and I, I think we should go back to this quote in here because I think it's really important. Let me show you what your final judgment will look like. You will call me Lord. Matthew have, 7, 22. Is what yeah. You will have prophesied in my name. You will cast out demons in my name. You will have done mighty works in my name. Then he says, I will say to you, depart from me. I never knew you. Depart from me, evildoers. That word new, and you know, those who follow our work or talk go to our retreats, we talk yeah. about this all the time. But there's going to be somebody else that's going to listen to this who's never heard it. That word new is, I believe it's, is it Greek, Greek. or Hebrew? It's, it's Greek. the Greek. It's the, the Jews Greek. translated the Hebrew of the Old Testament into Greek, and that's the word they use. Okay. So it's it's the Greek word for Adam, new Eve. Yeah. Okay. That's intimacy. 
that is, uh, you know, soul to soul, uh, like hearts, minds, bodies, souls, everything, and an intimacy that is beyond comprehension, right? And people go, oh, but but that's God, you know, how do I have that with God? You know, don't I need to just follow his rules and then just kind of hope everything else works out? Well, no, we need to know our Lord and our God. And that comes through mental prayer. And then through that, we come to that self-awareness that says, oh no, my life, my relationships, my relationship with my husband or my parents or my children or whatever is not in accord with his will because I'm angry. I'm addicted. I'm just, I'm, I'm, you know, upset. I'm frustrated. You know, they're not doing what I want them to do, right? They're not following God. So I'm just going to get really angry and I'm going to go do all these pious practices while my family's falling apart. So, so there's a much deeper call of, I need to know my Lord in such a way that it becomes like a mirror in front of me, mm-hmm. my relationship with him, where then I allow him, because really I have to let down, I have to be vulnerable with him. I have to really truly say, Lord, show me where I am out of your will, where I'm outside of your will. Show me that. You know, that's a courageous prayer. Yeah. Because you're saying to, you're giving him permission to show you where you're out of line. And then give me the courage to do what you desire so that and, and the grace to be free of this so that I so that your grace can inebriate me, fill me, pour itself out through me to those that I love. And they need and, you. And, I, you know, yeah. And I, I love what you say is if when if we really, truly know the Lord, we will change and then the world will change around us. And that doesn't mean. It could mean out in ministry, but what it first means is in your most, your yourself and your interpersonal circles. Yeah. You know, that's where it's going to change first. So because it's so hard, I think it's worth just doing at least one more example. And that's one I gave in the book where I had a woman who came up to me after an event. And I, I don't know how much of the revelation she had prior to the event or during the event. She's, she had this big smile on her face and she looked around 65, beautiful smile. And she said to me, you know, I finally figured it out. You know, I, I, I really get it about what it means to have a relationship with Jesus. She said, uh, I, I've been hiding all my life in activity in the church and joining this sodality and that one and, you know, taking care of altar linens and blah, blah, blah. And she said, I was doing it all um, to, I was doing it all to, to see, I was, do, I'm doing so he wants my heart, not my scurrying around on the pretense that I'm doing it all for love of him. I do it to hide, not for him. But I see so clearly now he loves me. I want to love him back. I want to give him the time I have left, but in a way that's truly worship of him and not a hiding in my wounds. And I would say not an inebriation, which is really what a lot of people do in religious life is an inebriation. Avoidance. Avoidance. It's the spirit of avoidance. So right. she had a real conversion, which is absolutely beautiful. Yeah. So um, Liguri says, the man who follows his own will independently of God's is guilty of a kind of idolatry. Instead of God's, or instead of adoring God's will, he adores his own in a certain sense. The greatest glory we can give to God is to do his will and everything. Just, you know, absolutely a game changer, but the key, so 
the biggest problem, which is what you pointed out, is, you know, be learning to know the voice of God. How can I know and love God and know and, and give him my whole life? But, but authentic love is a really deep challenge mm -hmm. and there's no quick way. So, you know, people always ask at events and I'm on page 17 if you want to know where I'm at, but people always ask for at events, how do I know the difference between the, the voice in my head and God's voice? How do I know? It, it's, you know, like, I, I think this get really personal. Like, I didn't really know how to love you, Stephanie. Probably about five years into the marriage is when it really started to click in, where I'm going, I'm going, and I, you know, just because I'm so broken, this is, you might be surprised what I'm going to say. I'm still surprised you're there, like you're still coming home. You know, I'm like, why would anybody be with me? Because I'm just so screwed up. And why, and, and do you really love me? You know, because I'd been through such a profound and deep betrayal. Now I'm, I'm a problem, but I've been through probably the worst betrayal in my life. And then my youth was just a whole series of betrayals from the people who were supposed to care for me. So I keep going, why is this beautiful, amazing woman just keep coming back? You know, but so getting through that and then, and then learn, and praying with you every day, going to spiritual direction together. Finally, I, I began to learn it's going to be okay. And I, and I learned what it meant to love you and to love you in a way that you received love. And I don't know, but it took, it, it's, it's the same with God. I mean, we, we don't, you can't, there's no, my answer when people ask me that is there is no quick answer. I don't have any quick answer. Now you can, you can do the Galatians five test and say, does the voice sound like love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, gentleness, self-control? Well, the enemy can mimic some of those things at times in a partial way, or we can sort of construct good things that mimic those things. You still, there's still an, <clears throat> a different kind of knowing mm -hmm. the other person that only comes with a lot of time and energy. And in this case, uh, Liguri would point us to mental prayer. Yeah, yeah. But I think also with mental prayer, um, you need to understand who this God is, right? You need to study. And and I, for whatever reason, the commandments are really coming to the fore. So commandments, virtues, mm -hmm. study these things. You need to understand that God's will is virtue. God's will is his commandments. God's will is love. God's will is that he wants your heart and he doesn't want your sacrifices. So I don't know. There's a lot there. We could go on and on, which we will. We're going to continue with this series. And so until next time, until next time, may the God of peace make you perfect in holiness. May he preserve you whole and entire spirit, soul, and body irreproachable at the coming of our Lord, Jesus Christ. Amen. Learn more about the interior life. Visit spiritualdirection.com. Divine Intimacy Radio is a co-production of EWTN Radio and spiritualdirection.com and heard worldwide on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network.